Open your Bibles, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. I so appreciate the choir, great singing, Dr. Moore, great singing. In fact, uh, I call Dr. Lonnie Moore, I've given him a nickname. I call him the Pavarotti of fundamentalism. <laughs> That's what I call him, the Pavarotti of fundamentalism. He calls me the James Brown of fundamentalism. Now, I don't know who that is, but that's who he calls me. My, what great singing all day. And we're thankful for each of you that are in the service this morning. You'll want to be, you'll want to be in the service tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, the choir will be singing, Dr. Moore will be singing, and you won't want to miss the service tonight. I do not often announce what I'm going to preach before I preach it, but I feel strangely impressed to announce that tonight, in the six o'clock hour. Now, Dr. Townsley, I do not normally do this. I, uh, I have sermon titles that really, I don't want you to hear till you're in the building, the doors are locked, and there's armed guards at the door. Sermon titles like, uh, what kind of church would I have to be crazy to even consider joining? Sermon titles like, uh, when a Christian uh, wears uh, a black pointed hat and rides on a long old broom. <laughs> Sermon titles like How You Can Tell You're 100% Backslidden. And sermon titles like When God Gets in a Killing Mood. Those are all sermon titles, and they're not crowd builders. They really aren't. And so I don't normally announce what I'm going to preach before I preach it, but I feel strangely impressed to announce that uh, tonight in the six o'clock hour, I'll be preaching on the subject, just keep plowing. You don't want to miss the service tonight. Just keep plowing. Very encouraging message. In fact, uh, if I had to choose between tonight uh, and this morning, I wouldn't even come this morning. I'd just come tonight. But you're here, so you might as well go ahead and stay. But in the six o'clock hour, I'll be preaching on the subject, uh, just keep plowing. You won't want to miss the service tonight. Gospel of Matthew, chapter uh, 27, and I'll begin reading with verse number 33 through verse number 36, where we find the text of the message. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, beginning with verse number 33 through verse number 36. And I would invite you to stand with me as I read the Word of God. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, beginning with verse number 33 through verse number 36. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull. They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. 
Please look back with me at verse number 35. Gospel of Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 35. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. There is in this verse a two-word phrase that I wish this morning you'd place a mental tent around. I've underlined it in my Bible. You may want to underscore it in yours. And it's the two words, casting lots. Do you see it? There it is, casting lots. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, playing games at Galgotha. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the Word of God. If I know my heart, I want to be a blessing, but the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit Place a hedge around this great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts this morning, we will be careful to give you all the praise and glory and honor. Bless and protect my precious family as I am away. Give us fresh warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from this morning. And Lord, I'd request, oh, how I would request that you'd clothe me in my calling for we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. The scriptures are filled with countless sobering, stirring, and even soul-shaking scenes. On one page, a person will see man at his best. Well, on another page, they will sense man at his worst. But still, on every page, they will spot God as at his greatest. No scene in all of the Holy Writ pulls up the curtain back on the wickedness of man's sin-soaked soul like the contest at Calvary playing games at Golgotha. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, we find the trial and the crucifixion of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. The betrayer of Jesus, his turmoil, verses 1 through 10. The judge of Jesus, 
his troubles, verses 11 through 26. The death of Jesus, his triumph, verses 27 through 56. And then the burial of Jesus, his tomb, verses 57 through 66. It is while the apostle Matthew is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with the death of Jesus, his triumph, that a person is shocked to witness a game being played at Golgotha. Verse 35, and they crucified him and parted his garments and don't miss it, casting lots. This, of course, Dr. Brown, is the New Testament fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy concerning Christ in Psalm 28 or 22, 22, 18. All four of the gospel writers shine a bright light on the depraved demeanor of these Roman soldiers who had a contest at Calvary. Now, there are certain facts and certain features that uh, uh, one gospel writer will give that another gospel writer does not give. But here is one of only a handful of things that every one of the gospel writers make mention of. Matthew speaks of it in our text of Matthew 27, 35. Mark speaks of it in Mark 15, 24. Luke speaks of it in Luke 23, 34. And John speaks of it in John 19, 24. So all four of the gospel writers make mention of the casting of lots. The casting of lots that is taking place here was a making a chance decision by using lots, straws or pebbles, which were thrown or drawn. Evangelist Oliver B. Green once penned about our text, the clothes of the victim of crucifixion belong to his executioners. He went on to write, according to John 19, 23 and 24, they divided the garments of Jesus into four parts. To every soldier apart, we know that there were more than four soldiers there, so these four men must have been officers of some rank. When they came to the coat of Jesus, Oliver B. Green wrote, they saw that it was a very unusual garment. It was without seam and not wanting to tear it. The soldier said, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. And then Oliver B. Green simply writes, so they gambled for the coat. Never forget what happened at the foot of the old rugged cross then is tantamount to putting a roulette wheel at the altar of a fundamental gospel preaching independent Baptist church now. If you miss everything that I preached this morning, I pray that you would not miss that. And it even bears repeating what happened, what happened, what happened at the foot of the old rugged cross then 
is tantamount to putting a roulette wheel at the altar of a fundamental gospel preaching independent Baptist church now. Friend, you and I, especially the unsaved, need to discover the games uh, that lost humanity plays at Golgotha. They played games in that day. But they're still playing games in our day. And quickly, I would like to give you several contests, major contests that take place at Calvary today. Let's quickly notice it this morning, playing games at Golgotha. Number one, when you disrespect the where to be saved. Hebrews 10, 29, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. A major contest that takes place at Calvary today is when you disrespect the where to be saved. In Hebrews 10, 29, the apostle Paul tells us that a person is on the most dangerous piece of property that they've ever planted their foot upon when they have a flippancy towards the third person of the Trinity. The word despite means to demonstrate disdain or disrespect Towards Brother Paul pulls no punches when dealing with those specific sins that will turn up the temperature in hell for all those who would dare trample underfoot the Son of God, treat the sacrifice of God as a cheap thing, and turn their back on the Spirit of God. The one Dr. Moore that's the most widely committed in this hour is and hath done despite under the spirit of grace, a.k.a. also known as turning your back on the Holy Ghost. This is so fraught with danger that when a person stands at the back door, oh my, of verse 29, they can see the front door of verse 31 in the same chapter. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Don't miss this. Whenever the Holy Spirit, the high sheriff of heaven, confronts a sinner with the gospel, that space becomes a consecrated spot, so much so that they could put over it a church steeple. Just the other day, I was flying late on a Saturday night uh, from uh, Detroit to Atlanta. And when walking to my gate uh, at the Detroit Metropolitan Airport, I stopped uh, at a coffee shop to uh, take a cup of coffee on the flight with me. And as I paid for that cup of coffee, I reached into my pocket and I pulled out of my pocket what every Christian should have on their person all the time, a gospel track. I gave the young lady a gospel track. She looked at me and said, sir, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm going to be very honest with you, sir. I'm going to be very honest with you. As soon as you step away from this counter, I'm going to take that gospel track and throw it in the trash. 
When she said that, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. When she said that, my blood ran cold. Oh, dear friend, hear me and hear me well. A game that unsaved humanity plays uh, there at Golgotha is when they disrespect uh, the wear to be saved. The Bible says uh, in John 16, 8, and when he has come, he'll reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The hymn writer William P. McKay understood this truth extremely well when he wrote in the classic revival, Melody, Revive Us Again. Listen to it. We praise thee, O God, for thy spirit of light who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Newsflash, when you turn a deaf ear to a Bible sermon, look the other way from a gospel track or brush aside a burden witness, sir, ma'am, you have just insulted the third person of the Trinity. Playing games at Golgotha. Playing games at Golgotha. Playing games at Golgotha. I read the other day where a U.S. uh, tourist in April of 2019, a citizen of our country, was charged with trying to steal a metal part of rail tracks at Auschwitz, a crime that can carry a prison sentence up to 10 years, Auschwitz-Birkenauer was a concentration and execution, uh, extermination rather, extermination camp located and operated uh, by Nazi Germany in Auschwitz and Birkenauer during World War II and the Holocaust. Over a million people, primarily Jews and Soviet prisoners of war were killed at that site between 1940 and 1945, the Polish government declared it a memorial site in 1947, and the rail tracks where people were unloaded as a part of the memorial and museum. The railway tracks that brought from all over Europe those that were inside of that concentration camp, which, by the way, the Nazis referred to as the end of the line. Those tracks ran all over Europe, and many of them ended right there at a concentration camp. You see, uh, somebody was so impertinent to, to the memory of over a million Holocaust victims that they wanted a piece of train track for their souvenir but that doesn't even come close to the incredulous behavior of the tourist unbeliever who simply and sadly turns a cold shoulder to the third person of the Trinity who's dealing with them about being saved. Oh, listen, it's a tragedy that someone would want a piece of that rail track as a souvenir, but it's even more of a tragedy if you leave this place lost, having rejected Christ uh, and saying no to the Spirit of God. When you disrespect the where to be saved. Number two, when you delay 
the when to be saved. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. A major contest that takes place at Calvary today is when you delay the when to be saved. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, the Apostle Paul tells us that a person can look at God's timepiece and see the hour, the minute, uh, and the second to experience the free and forever pardon of sin is at this very moment. Procrastination has been called a thief, a thief of time. But it's also the swindler of salvation. The pickpocket of pardon and the marauder of mercy. Friend, you and I need to discover that lost humanity plays games at Golgotha when they delay the win to be saved. Oh, there are several reasons why an individual should never hesitate in receiving the Savior. First of all, there is the Scripture's warning. Hebrews 3.15, well, it is said, Today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your hearts. You see a serious reason why an individual should never hesitate in receiving the Savior is the Scripture's warning. The Bible is the inspired and preserved red flag that God waves in the face of one that is lost. Every Bible page shouts you need to be saved. Every Bible verse screams that you need to be saved. And oh, a serious reason why an individual should not put off being saved is the Scripture's warning. Secondly, the season's waning. Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past. The summer has ended, and we're not saved. You see a serious reason uh, why an individual should never hesitate in receiving the Savior is the season's waning. The seasons of the year are just like the seasons of life, and soon they'll pass so rapidly, oh my, that the weight of them will press you in to a Christless eternity. On a strictly personal note, it seems like just yesterday, Mrs. Hamlin and I were high school sweethearts and we were dating. It seems like just yesterday uh, I had gotten saved and started on the revival road. It, It seems just like yesterday... Our son Aaron was born and our daughter Sarah was born and and now Mrs. Hamlin this year will be, her and I will be married some uh, 40, 43 years and our children have given us grandchildren. Let me interject, uh, Mark Twain was right when he said grandchildren are the blessing that you receive for not killing your children. (laughs) Seems like just yesterday 
I'd started on the revival road and I can still remember Dr. Townsley when I would preach in a conference like this. I, I was always the young voice. I was always the new kid on the block, but, but now it almost seems like uh, I'm, I'm uh, the grizzled veteran. All I'm trying to say is uh, uh, the seasons, uh, the seasons, uh, all I'm trying to say is the seasons uh, uh, waning is a reason why. Hey, you better not put it off. You, you better not turn your back on God. You better not say another time. There is uh, the seasons waning. There's a serious reason not to, put, not to put off being saved. Thirdly, the Spirit's wooing. Revelation twenty two seventeen, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Oh, a serious reason why an individual should never hesitate in being saved is simply the Spirit's wooing. The Holy Spirit never will move upon a lost soul to be saved another time. It is never the third person of the Trinity that says, put it off, that says, pause, uh, that says, uh, push it to a later date. No, sir, no, ma'am. There is uh, the Spirit's wooing. Why, just because he's dealing with you right now, what makes you think he's going to deal with you in another service, that he's going to deal with you in another time, that he's going to deal with you in another occasion, or oh, that every single individual that was in this service uh, and and watching by way of internet would realize uh, uh, that the reasons uh, for receiving the Savior and not putting it off uh, is the Scripture's warning, the season's waning, and the Spirit's wooing. In the United Kingdom, near Windsor Castle is a centuries-old cemetery. Somewhere in that garden of remembrance, is a gravestone with this interesting and arresting inscription. Pause, my friend, as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare, my friend, to follow me. Listen closely, sinner. Your season of life may soon be over, so don't play games uh, like the soldiers uh, at Calvary in thinking you can do business with God another time. Look at the text, Matthew 27, 35, casting lots. Casting lots. Casting lots. When you delay, when you delay, when you delay the when to be saved. And then number three, and last of all, my time is gone. Not only when you disrespect the where to be saved and you dilute the when, or rather delay, delay the when to be saved, you delay the where to be saved, um, disrespect, you disrespect the, uh, the where to be saved, and, and you delay the, the when to be saved. Then number three, and last of all, you dilute the what to be saved. Don't, 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 don't disrespect 
the Holy Ghost by walking out of the doors you walked in lost. No one would sit in this service, be so bold, be so brazen as breaking out a pack of cigarettes and smoking either a half a cigarette or a whole pack. Even if you're lost, you wouldn't do that because you wouldn't want to disrespect this church. And I commend you for that. But there's somebody who's seated right next to you that's the third person of the Trinity. And you walking out these doors lost is as much, if not more, disrespectful to him if you say no in being saved. We play games at Calvary when we disrespect the where to be saved, when we delay the when to be saved. And number three and last of all, when you dilute the what to be saved. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You know that the word what simply means the thing that used in specifying something. A major contest that takes place at Calvary today is when you dilute the what to be saved. In Ephesians 2, 13, the Apostle Paul tells us that a person moves from alienation to adoption in God's family, holy and solely through the redemptive blood of Christ flowing freely from the cross. So when any church or any clergy attempts to add to the supreme sacrifice of the Savior by sneaking in to Bible salvation, works, water, wafers, worry beads, that's the rosary, or whatever they have with the help of every demon in the underworld, weakened and watered down, lost mankind's only way to make it to heaven. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that prince of preachers once said, it may be morality that keeps you out of jail, but it is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that keeps you out of hell. The songwriter wrote, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. There was a contest on Calvary. There were games at Golgotha. And again, Dr. Townsley, it's interesting to me that all four of the gospel writers tell us about it. When you go from that Bible page to this place, there are people in this room and watching by way of internet that are playing games. That are playing games. That are playing games. Friend, you and I need to discover that uh, lost humanity plays games at Golgotha when you dilute uh, the what to be saved. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Put this on the blackboard of your mind. The blood of Christ greater than. Greater than is the mathematician's symbol, a chevron. The blood of Christ greater than 
the works, ways, rituals, religions, traditions, and teachings of man. In other words, the blood of Christ is greater than everything, and the blood of Christ is greater than anyone. When you dilute the what to be saved. I'm close with this. During the first World's Fair held in Chicago many years ago, there was an exhibit or an exposition called the Parliament of Religions. A preacher who believed the Bible and Bible salvation, Dr. Joseph Cook, a friend of D.L. Moody, represented the fundamental Christian faith. One by one, Dr. Townsley, uh, the representatives uh, of the various world religions uh, spoke in behalf of their beliefs. The brother who knew Christ uh, and knew his power to save, all those who believed on him was the last to speak. He turned to English literature uh, for his example and told the story of Lady Macbeth She was the leading character in William Shakespeare's tragedy, Macbeth, who there uh, gourds uh, her husband in committing regicide, uh, which is really the action of killing a king, after which, oh my, she becomes queen of Scotland. In conclusion, he asked, gentlemen, does your religion have anything that will remove the spot of blood from Lady Macbeth's hand. I want you to place a mental bookmarker there and let me say that in that play that William Shakespeare wrote uh, after uh, Macbeth was instrumental uh, in uh, pushing uh, and prodding her husband to kill that king, uh, she would have, Brother Boyle, awful nightmares. She would have awful dreams. uh, And in these nightmares and dreams, uh, she would visualize uh, a spot of blood uh, on her hand and she would say, all the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. One by one, the various men shook their heads. Gentlemen said, Dr. Cook, the religion of Christ has the blood of Jesus Christ uh, cleanseth us uh, from all sin. First John 1, 7, when he finished the Bible verse, uh, a great choir in the balcony from D.L. Moody's church uh, sang the hallelujah chorus and he shall reign forever. King of kings, uh, Lord of lords, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. When the last hallelujah had been finished, the preacher raised his head. All of the representatives of the various other religions had filed out in the face of sin, cleansing salvation like that. The only thing that could cleanse and not only the hand, but the soul of Lady Macbeth is the only thing that will cleanse my hand and cleanse my soul and cleanse your hand and your soul. And it's the blood of Jesus. When you dilute the what to be saved. We have seen from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27 a game, a game, a game being played 
at Golgotha. But people in this hour are still playing games in that they're not being saved. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.